This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexil series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time, which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. And you know, Startup Nation, we're going to go in a different direction today. We're going to focus on leadership today. Look, with everything going on, COVID-19, social unrest if there was ever a time we needed great leadership startup nation it is now and we have a fantastic guest to help us out with that she is an amazing educator i'm sorry she is an amazing educator and rising political superstar that calls the great city of memphis home she sits on the memphis city council representing district seven and she was recently named to the memphis business journal prestigious list of 40 under 40. She is my good friend, Michaelin Easter Thomas. Superstar. How's it going, MET? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you, Dominic? I'm living a dream, ma'am. I'm living a dream. And you are. <laughs> I, you are. I appreciate that. And before we get started, you know, I just want to say, you know, we, we've known each other for a few years now. And, and, and to see, you know, all the amazing work you have done in the community, in the city and stuff like that. I cheers to you, ma'am. I am in awe of you. I am in awe of what you do. And I'm super excited to have you on the show. And I just want to say for whatever it means, I am super duper proud of you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of it is thankless, but I definitely appreciate, <laughs> you know, um, real genuine people like yourself really just seeing the work that I and others are putting in in the city. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. And before we get started, I just want to say, or we'll ask you rather, are you ready to pour some knowledge in the startup nation today? Because when it comes to leadership and stuff like that, we could definitely use a little bit of help. <laughs> I can, I can need some help. I need some help too. Um, that's why I like listening to your podcast and the other folks, but yes, I am, I am ready to do all of that. And then some today. Sounds great. Sounds great. So let's get started. So, you know, uh, if we could just kind of share with us your origin story, you know, who is uh, the great MET? Kind of share with us a little bit about your background and growing up. So I am from Memphis. Uh, I love to say that I'm from North Memphis. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, that every neighborhood has their own just specific way of of touting themselves. Absolutely. When, talk, when talking to anybody else. But right. I think that growing up in North Memphis and Frazier really put 
a stamp on the way that I see things, how mm-hmm. I view community, um, how I view family, and then also just the processes of how our lives intertwine with government in the public sector. For sure. Um, um, fully matriculated through Mississippi schools, mm-hmm. went to a couple, um, then ended up at Christian Brothers University right. here in Memphis to get my degree in history. And use that to then go on to Columbia University mm-hmm. in New York to receive my Master of Arts in Teaching, Social Studies, um, 7 through 12. And then my first actual job was a teaching job in the Bronx. And so that was awesome. Right. Um, but it also made made me just realize, you know, kids are really the same. Right. <laughs> um, they, all, they all really need the same things. And it's all about how the administration responds to those needs, mm-hmm. how the government responds to those needs. Right. And so I came back to Memphis a little earlier than expected in 2014 and started a nonprofit focused in North Memphis just for progression. And that right. nonprofit grew out of civil unrest of a few neighborhood citizens that right. had found out about a Memphis housing authority plan to demolish a certain sector of homes in the Klondike area, but no one had heard of any community input, any meetings or such. And so we penned a letter that we sent to over 200 government and public sector officials. And the response to that was that the MHA head at at that point then retracted the statement of the plan. Um, They they didn't call it a plan. They called it an an idea. And Mm. then we heard nothing else from that. But what they showed us was that one, people are always going to try to slide things by you. Right. um, Without you, without you looking at, without you noticing. But then also that voices, collective voices are integral and strong when you're trying to make a change. And so on that premise, our grass, our roots, the nonprofit was founded in 2014. And since 2014 in North Memphis and Frazier, we've just been collaborating, pushing out information and ensuring that our voices are heard collectively when it comes to projects that are coming in any of our, any of our neighborhood areas. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Startup Nation, you know, and I joke with Michael about this all the time. I know for a fact she cares about North Memphis. Literally the first words I ever heard Michael say was, what about North Memphis? So I I I, I know no seriously that, that that's true talk. I can't remember where we were, but it was like a like a conference or something like that. Uh, but those were the first words I ever heard you, you speak. And ever since then, you know, I was like, I gotta watch out for her. She she she's about to make some uh, some big waves here in this city. And uh, uh, you know, I I am so glad to see your rise and stuff like that. So for sure, and, and thank you for sharing that. I I do you know uh, I'm very familiar with the your uh, nonprofit and all the work that you do there in North Memphis. So appreciate you sharing all of that uh, for sure. You know, really quickly, I want to ask a follow up. Kind of talk about uh, you, know, you as an educator. You you talk about you know the kids and their needs and stuff like that. Kind of talk about you know some of that's uh, some of the things that you really like about educating and and uh, and, and dealing with young people and stuff like that. And well, I <laughs> when I discuss education sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't even seem like education i just i try to put it in a, a common sensible way okay and so how i approach it is i'm trained in 
seventh through twelve, but mm-hmm. all of my teaching has been to eleventh grade. Gotcha. And so I love eleventh graders. They're they're at that point of where you know they're not freshmen, so immature coming in. Mm-hmm. They're not seniors. They they don't have senioritis, or they're they're just stuck. But eleventh grade is like that year where it's like it's something a light bulb kind of turns on, and it's like you it's the realization that I need to really hone down. Right. And see where my life is going because I have one year to make it, to make it such. Mm-hmm. So what I would do in my classrooms and I taught U.S. history, world history, AP history, economics, government. I would give them all the information that I had, all the information that I could find and allow them an atmosphere of where you are encouraged and supported to come to your um, conclusion on it gotcha. based on the evidence and the facts that you have. Right. And essentially that's what, you know, adults should be doing anyway. Absolutely. But <laughs> no, it's, about, no, right. <laughs> it's about, it's um, about, I'm not, you know, forcing my ideals on you, but I'm giving you all the facts and then I'm allowing you actual space to talk with your peers, bringing other individuals inside the classroom having robust discussions to really see and make these connections throughout history. Because as we look at, especially now 2020, like (laughs) last year we were before school, you know, getting disrupted. We were discussing how this looks so similarly to 1920. Right. Right. The the government, the offices of the gilded age, the the way that people are spending in the economy, the right. the way that big businesses are not concerned with the health and wealth of their employees, like everything just looks so similarly different. Graph bribery and, and other such in the executive office, but it I just I just like to allow for people to come to their conclusions based on factual evidence and making their decisions. Um, A lot of times when we talk about how can we help folks, sometimes we may go to the assumption that they know better. Right. But sometimes we don't, sometimes people don't know better. Sometimes people don't have the information. So if you can't provide all of the information, then how are you expecting somebody to make a decision? And so if we want our kids to make better decisions, we need to provide them with information, with opportunities, with exposure, so that once you have it all, once you can see it, then if you make the wrong decision, then we can we can figure out whose fault it is. Sure. But at this point, everybody has a hand in it, everybody has a role in it. If anybody is contributing to not getting our students in Memphis all that they need and deserve. So Gotcha. Thank that's you. my that's my take on education. <laughs> no, I got you, and, and I appreciate that. And you know, it, it, it's so fitting that you know uh, that you majored in history and and, and you, you you teach history and, and stuff like that. Uh, and because the thing is, we, you know, in the in the generation that you're teaching, right? Because we're seeing uh, Generation Z or the Zoomers, I guess they are are being affectionately called. We're seeing them take an active approach and uh, in, uh, in uh, being civic minded, being proactive. And things of that nature. Let me ask you this, you know, as they go forth and and you're teaching them and stuff like that, how how are you 
helping to guide those who want to be civic minded, who want to be uh, the next Michael and Easter Thomas. Like what are, what are some of those approaches to help not necessarily frame or indoctrinate what they think, but how they go about and being proactive uh, in their community, uh, in their country and, and beyond. All right. So it's it's kind of hard because, you know, you don't want to get in legal trouble in the public school system. Of right? course, of course. <laughs> and right. So during my campaign, I was having to draw a start a staunch line in what I could do and what I could say. Right. That would lean lean students the other way. But I would simply just act and talk to them about what do you care about? Because the thing about politics is that you're not going to care unless you have a personal connection. Right. And that's with a lot of things. Um, you don't care about something if you don't have a personal connection. Very true. So I would, instead of saying you need to vote because, you know, the, the ancestors died for you. Um, right. There's no personal connection there. Um, you need to vote because your vote matters. Well, there, there might not be a personal connection there. Right. But if I ask you, what do you care about? And then you tell me you care about transportation to and from school and your job. You care about you having a job. You care about your parents having a job. You care about health care. You care about the potholes in the street. You care about our school not looking like the municipal school. Um, mm -hmm. And then we we connect it. So once I once I understand what you care about, then I get to, once again, to that information and opportunities and exposure. Then we can discuss how all of that is related to who we vote in office. Right. And right. seeing what what positions really have an impact on the things that you care about. And then brainstorming and strategy. OK, well, how involved do you want to be in this change? Do you just want your involvement to be a vote and getting your friends to vote? Or do you want to do something further? Do you want to join an initiative? Do you want to support a group? But none of that can happen if, one, you're not giving people all the information that they should be privy to. But then also showing how you have to have personal connections with politics in order to feel as though it really matters. And I think this year we're seeing a big shift in that mm -hmm. and it's just wonderful to watch um i let a lot of previously graduated students follow me on facebook gotcha. <laughs> and gotcha. one because you know I, I get to be nosy and i get to <laughs> <laughs> right. i get to see what you're doing and and then message you like ah, you might not want to put that on there uh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but then i also get to show them what i'm doing civically right and how i'm engaged and since they know me personally um since you spent 180 days <laughs> right. one hour a day with me in your past life now you have a connection and it doesn't seem as though politics are is what's done to you right now you can start to see is okay how can i be involved because i am politics i am democracy I it's not that. something that that's done to me it's something that i can be involved with folks just need to know how I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, when you when you talk about, uh, you know, engaging with your students, even now after they've graduated, stuff like that is it, always it always amazes me that uh, it just seems like the, the best educators never stop teaching. The best educators never stop worrying about their kids and, and stuff like that. But I imagine that makes sense, because like each one of those kids that you impart wisdom on and you talk to and, and you pour into, they're part of your legacy. That's fair to say. Right. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, who you touch and right. and who you make an impression on, negative or positive, that's that's you because that's what's going to be left. Like you said, that's your legacy. That's what's going to be left when you move on are those stories and, and that anecdotal right. contribution to who you are Absolutely. or who you were. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. And, you know, you mentioned your campaigns. Uh, you know, I kind of want to talk about it just a little bit because, you know, Startup Nation uh, across the country, we are seeing uh, a, a lot of like, you know, maybe first time candidates and stuff like that really kind of topple, you know, like incumbents, long time uh, entrenched incumbents in certain places and stuff like that. You know, one of the big national ones uh, from a few years ago is obviously AOC up there in New York. Mm-hmm. And you, and you kind of had a similar experience here uh, in the city of Memphis uh, with your opponent uh, as well, you know, and, and we won't get into like too many specifics unless you just want to. Uh, but I, I want to <laughs> ask you this because we're, we're seeing this on the national level. We're seeing this at the grassroots level. What is it that's changing that people saying like, you know, I, I want something different, you know, because after electing somebody for a long time who are more funded, bigger war chests in the in the advertising game and, and, and stuff like that. What are people saying? Like, nah, I need something different. Like, kind of talk about that journey a little bit, if you don't mind, Michaelin. No problem. Um, I really attribute that to, I, keep, I guess this is a theme, I keep bringing it up, but connection. Gotcha, gotcha. You, especially with local, um, even even state, any anything besides executive, because it's really Absolutely. hard to have a connection there. Right. But even when we see the AOC example, um, People here, like state rep, Ronald Lamar, right. um, different senators, it's, right. it's a connection that that you're making. And you have to have the trust of people for them to vote for you. Right. And as I as I said throughout my campaign and even now, you can't trust someone that you can't communicate with. Right. And you can't communicate with somebody <laughs> that you don't see. Fair enough. That you don't hear from. Right. And so what I literally ran on was accessibility, mm. listening and communication, and trust. Gotcha. Because if I'm one, I'm asking you what, what you need, what your wants are, what what you're wanting to see so that you also can be successful and progress in this city. And I have to listen to those sentiments of different individuals in different parts of my district. So then I can actually see what the issues are and then be able to start a path on fixing them and, and seeing how I can also communicate that fix back to the people who, who had the issue. Right. But I knew that my race was <laughs> a cra- I won't say crowded. You know, everybody has <laughs> it was a little deep. everybody has a legitimate lie. right to right. run. Right. <laughs> Put their name deep. on yeah. the paper to run. Right. But that race outside of the mayor's race was the heaviest race in Memphis last year. Right. And so we had did we have eight? Uh, something like that, yeah. Like, I think I think we had eight. Right, it was uh, something like that. It, it, it was it was it was almost ten for sure. Because like I said, I remember like man, that's a deep race. That's a lot of yeah. you know, to choose from. Yeah. And and my thing was, you know, I it wasn't something I jumped into. I had already been doing community work. 
I was talking with community leaders and neighborhood leaders about support. Right. But I also did some self-reflection time. I did a lot of prayer. I did a lot of fasting um, because something about me, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it 125%. Right. And if I can't do it to the fullest of my extent, I can't do it. Right. Because I don't want my name on it. I don't want to be associated with, with something that, that doesn't Makes sense. <laughs> fulfill what I what I can do. Absolutely. Um, and that's not saying, you know, I knew that I was going to win, but I knew that I was going to put my best foot forward in everything. Even right. when it came down to designing the logo and, and the flyers. Right. I was like, you know, if if I'm presenting something new and somebody that, that takes their time and someone who really wants to reflect that we're not just a bunch of North Memphis neighborhoods or we're not just a bunch of Frazier neighborhoods, right. even if something as simple as a flyer design, I don't want it to be raggedy. Right. I want it to represent that we, whatever you think you might assume you can see in um, Poplar area or out east or Collierville or downtown, that's right. the same stuff we're doing in North Memphis. Right. Same level of quality. For sure. Um, I was ripping and running to a million different events every day <laughs> just bet. to make sure I saw people. I, I got in their face. I got my name recognized because you people, like I said, people have to trust you in order to communicate. And right. they can't do either if you're not accessible and you're not visible. And me just knowing the prior issues that we've had in this district and then knowing what we have to fight going forward, that was really what drove me. Um, The whole campaign, I never mentioned anything about anyone I was running against. Gotcha. Because it wasn't about them. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about the incumbent. It was about the people. And the only thing I would discuss would be the people. Um, and I, and I made that, I made that pertinent because I just, I wanted people to know that this is not a, you know, it's not a competition for who can win against each other. If we're really trying to do what's best for our communities, this is to see who's going to best represent our areas in the city government going forward. Um, because we have to get some progressive ideals in our local government. We have to get just the push towards the want and the will to do right. A lot of times it's not that um, folks who came before didn't do anything. Right. Sometimes you just don't have the majority and the collective will to do right. Fair enough. You need you need the numbers right. to get things across the board. So if two, if two or three folks want to do right, well, it's still 10, 11 people that they have to convince. And I right. think we're starting to see in a lot of different governments and municipalities we're starting to see more of the will to do right and to do the right thing. And, and that's inspiring for me. And so I'm seeing the difference in local politics and I'm just excited to play a part. I'm grateful to be in this seat and, and be able to do for my community what I said I was going to do. For sure. For sure. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I want to ask one last question, a quick follow up uh, about the campaign, because one of the things that I've really admired during your campaign, because, you know, like you said, it was a lot of people uh, in the field. It was a very deep uh, candidate field. uh, And it, it actually led to a runoff between you and the incumbent. 
But yeah. you actually were able to, you know, and, and it, it seems like you, you, you have always had, Michael, you've always had this very uh, knack for consensus building, right? And it looks like you did that when you had the other candidates who didn't quite make the runoff. You built that consensus and got them to rally around you uh, to, to ultimately overtake that seat. I, I want to ask you this because, you know, there's a lot of small business owners and there's a lot of, you know, people who may be thinking about running for office and stuff like that. And consensus building mm-hmm. is so important. Walk me through some of those conversations uh, through some of the other candidates who didn't make that run off and and, and, and kind of convincing them that, like, you know, this ain't about me. This is more about North Memphis, District 7 and doing what's best for District 7. Kind of walk me through th- some of those conversations a little bit, if you don't mind. Right. And so those were uh, hard conversations. I bet. And <laughs> because it's because it's not normal. Right. Right. It's not it's not common <laughs> to, right. to see that, especially in a, a heavy race. Absolutely. Um, and so that that's why I thought it was so fascinating. <laughs> that initial race in October, um, we were second and I went to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I didn't just pick, you know, who came right after me or the next two people. Right. I went to everybody because if you ran on the premise that you care, right? then I'm going to need you to care and keep that same energy that you had against the incumbent Fair to enough. work with me. Because if you're if you're running, that means that if I were to win or if the other person was to win, you are the constituent. Right. So with you as a constituent, what do you need to see or what would you like to see? And do you think that I can help move the city towards that direction? And so if you can work with me, you know, we can help everybody. Any I think any conversation that you have about consensus, it, it just has to really focus on how does this help the majority of folks? I can tell you all day how you uh, coming out to endorse me is going to help me. Um, But how can this help other people? And I think sometimes I know you talk about a lot. It's the pitch. Right. You know, how how are you how are you framing this? And then also, are you being genuine in it as well? So that has to be a part of it. But those were hard conversations. Um, I was grateful that. I think all all but one. Um, came to endorse, uh, publicly endorse. Um, they privately did it, but all but one came to publicly endorse. And I was grateful for that because I think that they also showed the public that, wow, this isn't just, you know, a, a grimy political type thing. This is, folks really want change over here in District 7. Right. They want it so bad as to all of them got together and said, you know what, we push it forward. And the thing is now is that I keep up, I still keep up <laughs> with, with my with my former opponents. Right. Um, because they're my constituents and their opinion matters and they're all doing things in the community now that a lot of them I want to support. And I just want to make sure that they understand this is a communal thing. We we have to have each other. Um, we have to lean on each other because it's enough. I know y'all talk about business. This ain't business, but it's enough business to go around. Right. It's enough consumers. Um, it's enough customers. It's enough opportunity. But when you don't have 
the knowledge and the resources and the support, um, that's where a lot of us tend, in my opinion, tend to fall short. And then when we do get a grasp on a little bit of information, on a little bit of opportunity, a little bit of resources, it's like you got to hold on to that because you don't know if you're going to get any more or you don't know if the person who you want to support you wants it all for themselves. Right. And then that comes back to, you know, being genuine and just being able to communicate and trust with each other that we want what's best for our people. And I truly think that they believe and hopefully still do believe <laughs> and right. the other constituents that I want what's best for my people in North Memphis. For sure. Memphis and Memphis especially. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. Tresta powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their, their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited. Calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash startup life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash startup life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. And once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Councilwoman Michaelin Easter Thomas here on The Startup Life. And so, you know, you talk about campaigning, you talk about running the race and stuff like that. You get elected uh, and, and you get sworn in uh, and everything in you know, the pageantry is beautiful and stuff like that. But now it's time, time to govern, Right. And, you know, Councilwoman, you know, when you walked into the office, uh, you know, I mean, you already had a, a number of issues uh, that was uh, on your plate. You know, I, I think one of the big ones was, you know, Ooh, whether. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think one of the bigger ones uh, that I can think of off the top of my head is the one where uh, should uh, uh, public service like, you know, police officers and fire departments should live in the city and uh, uh, limits and stuff like that. But now we have this 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 pandemic. Uh, you know, and we have this this health crisis, uh, obviously around the world and here in the city of Memphis. And you're uh, uh, dealing with like things like people wearing masks and and things of that nature. Talk about governing uh, councilwoman 
in 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 moments where he's like, man, I wasn't expecting this. Like this just came out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, talk about you know jumping into the fire. You know what I mean? So kind of talk about that a little. Talk about that experience a little bit. Uh, I think every day would be a oh, I wasn't expecting this. Gotcha. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but I'm a I'm a lifelong learner. I I love connecting the dots and researching it. And so everything that new that comes along just gives me another opportunity to dig deeper and ask more questions. Right. And that's really the only way that we're going to get to proper governing because actually with city council, the only actual technical things that you have to do Mm -hmm. are passing the budget, reviewing and passing the budget. Right. Um, every day, meticulous things such as budget expenditures or um mlgw expenditures right and then responding to constituents that's all you really have to you really only have to respond to constituents that's all you really have to do right um however but when you start trying to get to the root of an issue trying to see why we're in the state that we're in then that comes the fun part and so that's when I like to get to go through council records and see, well, how did this environmental um, industrial plant get in this South of North Memphis neighborhood in the first place? And so how, how is that able to be done? And has that, how has that impacted the area? Does that connect to why we see less budget expenditures in this certain line item in this neighborhood now? Um, And so just being able to, connect certain things to see the broader picture and just get some context. But it's so much this year, especially with COVID. Right. um, Because now it's not just the learning curve. It's not just um, being new, young and black and a woman, which gets you dismissed a lot of times by so many people. Right. And it's on top of that, you have people who are dying and suffering from the other impacts right. of COVID. For sure. And so it's, it's that balance of, yes, I know we have to have a stable and balanced budget in the city, but we got 680,000 residents, majority of them black and poor, and they're getting laid off or they're cutting hours or their kids don't have internet or they're part of the digital divide in their home and their neighborhood. So it's just so many issues that I won't say have arisen during COVID, Mm -hmm. but it's really given people time and specific focus to not ignore these issues. Right. So they, the issues already been there, right? Poverty's right. already been there. Uh, food deserts already been there. Digital divide. But now, now we got to tackle it. Now right. we, we can't turn away from it. You know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to fix it, but you can't turn your eyes away from it. Right. We couldn't turn our eyes away from the only folks in Memphis who don't have access to internet stay in the poor black neighborhood. Right. We, we we can't we can't you can't ignore stuff like that. Um, so Especially now if we're moving to a virtual uh, classroom, right. move coming to for for the new school year. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to exactly. add that in. No, yeah. no, I agree. I agree with that. And right. then also when you talk about oh, okay, well let's all go virtual and let's all get them laptops. Problem solved. No, because now the problem facing you 
as a governing official is, now you got to wonder why parents are scrambling to figure out where is their child going mm-hmm. to sit six seven day six seven hours a day and learn virtually because of the way our economy is set up in the city right so so it's it's like it's just furthering exacerbating just peeling off the layers because it's like yeah we got jobs jobs that don't have no no help no no good health insurance right. um no no good retirement benefits um, jobs that are heavy on your your physique and your physical ability, jobs that don't may or may not provide middle class wages. Um, so we're just peeling back the layers in government, and I think this year, not just efficiency, but empathy is really something that a lot of our governing officials are going to have to marry with the efficiency of government. Gotcha. And it's not an easy feat. But I will say that I know a lot of my colleagues just from discussing with them and on the county side and state side. Well, a lot of them are up for the challenge. And that's the optimistic part of it. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I haven't talked to a lot of people who are are pessimistic about how it's going overall. Right. But who are just optimistic on what they're trying to do in their role. And how we can all work together to try to alleviate whatever we can for our people. Right. Right. Thank thank you for sharing that. And, and you know, one, one, you, you're absolutely right. When you talk about uh, the digital divide and having Internet and how, you know, uh, kids are going to uh, be able to do that virtual classroom and stuff like that. I know one of the things that I think about, like maybe you do have access to the Internet. But what if you have three children, school age and one laptop? Like, you know, well, I, you know, yeah. well, they're giving they're going to give them to each one. Gotcha. But gotcha. Just, also just because you got a laptop don't mean you know how to use it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, that is fair. Um, that is fair. Now we got to look at are we going to penalize further right. our students for being behind? I mean, the academic gap is already as wide, wider than it should be. Right. But now we have to add on the fact that now you're going to be judged by what you do virtually. But we as a city and a school system and as a community have not prepared you to do that fully efficiently virtually. Right. Right. So, um, it's going to take, it's going to take the whole community and this is going on nationwide, but as far as Memphis, it's going to take the whole community to support our babies this year. Um, because they're, they're going to need it. They're gotcha. need it. For sure. For sure. And, and you know, and you're absolutely right, you know, Councilwoman, because we talked about how COVID has exposed or exacerbated many issues uh, from the digital divide, uh, from, you know, uh, economic standpoint and stuff like that. But one of the biggest things, and you've been extremely outspoken about this, is about race uh, and how black lives matter and stuff like that. Kind of talk about your approach and, and speaking uh, uh, on that subject, on that matter, uh, and being unapologetic about it, because you, you, you have not, uh, no, you have not now, nor have you ever held punches on this, uh, on this notion. Well, um, I'm glad that <laughs> I'm being consistent and that <laughs> right. you see that. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's something that you that you have to hold hold back from. Right. It's it's a yes or no question. It's not one of those things where you can agree to disagree. Right. You can't you can't you can't agree to disagree on whether Black Lives Matter. Period. Right. So it's either they do or they don't. And then once you say yes, then you have to show it in your actions, your policies, your guidelines, your your everyday legislation, your money. So if they if if Black Lives do matter, 
how is that shown in our government system, right. our legal system, our criminal justice system, our election system, our economy, our businesses, our nonprofits, our grants? If your if your actions don't show that Black Lives Matter, then you just already answered the question. Right. And in Memphis, that's that's what we are. We're black. Like we Memphis is majority black. We are black. This is a chocolate city. Right. And if we if we tend to ignore constantly the black folks here, you know, where where is that gonna get us in the future? Gotcha. And and that's for anyone. Um other races, ethnicities, also other socioeconomic levels. Um, all black people matter. Right. Um, and so the the issue is that that has to be said. So if it didn't have to be said, that means folks would be doing what's right. right. <laughs> but since since we got to say it, it means somebody ain't doing something right, and they need to be called out, and they need to fix it. Gotcha. And that happens a lot through the election process. Um, but that also happens to happens through what already elected officials are doing within their own governments. We have so many black leaders in the city, right? From um, hospital presidents to CEOs to um, management of corporations to elected officials to the school district. Black people are in leadership in a majority of positions in this city, right? We should not have to say or even act, do Black Lives Matter? And sometimes we ask it to Black people. Right. And sometimes those, some of those Black people tell us no through their actions right. and what they're doing. Right. So everybody needs to be held accountable. Um, and if Black Lives really do matter, then it should be shown. Gotcha. You know, uh, if I could ask a follow-up, because you talked about, you know, you know uh, uh, engaging with your colleagues uh, uh, you know, whether it be in the, the city council or in the county commission for Shelby County, uh, here in Tennessee, kind of talk about, you know, you, and obviously you don't have to, go, you know, you don't have to go on specifics, you know, stuff like that, but kind of talk about what those conversations are, are, are sounding like, even not even with those colleagues, but even with the mayor who in, in that executive spot for, uh, the city of Memphis, that city of Memphis that you just said that is a, a majority black, uh, city, a chocolate city, uh, if you will, kind of talk about those conversations in, how uh no we're moving forward trying to govern and, and and show the city of memphis that black lives uh do matter and that there are certain there have been for a long time certain uh barriers to entry whether it be for black businesses certain barriers of entry for just economic prosperity as a whole education kind of talk about those conversations with your colleagues and in the mayor and with the mayor if you don't mind um well the most recent conversation well, the ongoing conversation is right. um, how can we really help people during COVID? For sure. And so my colleagues and I have came up with numerous ways of how we're assisting folks in Memphis through whether it's through MLGW utility assistance, mm -hmm. um, also the Housing Community Development Division, Paul Young and those with Shelby County Community Services came up with the landlord or eviction settlement owner right and also we, we put money towards emergency payments for beauty and barber and, and spa employees and entrepreneurs so just thinking of ways that we can use what we have now to help during covid 
And I think that that has shown to an extent that we're saying, yes, your life matters. We see this. We're empathetic. Right. Let's see what we can do. Um, However, as far as facing the bigger picture, I think we have work to do. Gotcha. Um, I, I think that we would do ourselves a disservice and our constituents a disservice to use those few things that we've done this year to how do I want to put this to to say that we've done our part gotcha we haven't done nearly enough and that's me included in in that as well because like you're saying it's still so many barriers absolutely it's still so many unanswered questions that we have to look this thing straight in the face and say that a lot of these barriers, these problems, these issues are based on racism in our city. And we have to undo that. It's it's nothing wrong with, with facing a problem head on and saying, this is wrong. We need to change this. And I do not think so far, in my opinion, that we, anybody, um, our office or mayor's administration has really called that out yet. Gotcha. Straightforward gotcha. to say that we need to really undo this to take Memphis forward. For that sure. hasn't been done. For sure. For sure. Thank you, uh, uh, Councilwoman, for sharing all of that. Uh, for sure. You know, uh, you know, I, I see that, you know, since you've been uh, in office, uh, you, you kind of developed a, a kinship with another uh, fan favorite here of the startup life who's also been on the show. Councilman uh, J.B. Smiley kind of talk about uh, your relationship with him and how you guys have <laughs> kind of developed a kinship there uh, on the council here in the city of Memphis, if you don't mind. So I love J.B., um, he is such a such a bright mind, mm-hmm. such a a genuine spirit, and just wanting to do the right thing. And I'm that type of person as well. I'm not as outgoing as he is, gotcha. <laughs> um, which a lot of people like to make that stark difference if we're ever pictured next gotcha. to each other. Right, right. But his his energy or synergy, rather in this case, helps support the fact that we're moving forward in a new direction in Memphis. Right. Um, if you asked him and this, if this probably wasn't on the podcast, you say, Oh yeah, Mike, Mike Lynch, she, she talks about me every day, <laughs> <laughs> you know, on social media, we're right. just on social media, we're commenting on everything. So I'm always, uh, <laughs> taking small jabs at him. If he's posting somebody exercising or something like gotcha, that. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, he's great to work with. Um, it's, it's awesome just having young energy with you. For sure. Um, but then I do notice, as I, I as I pointed out before, right. you know, we're both young and we're both black. Absolutely. But as a young black woman, there's a there's a a still sense of dismissal that I still get. You know what? And, and even talk, though- talk about that a little bit. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I, I want to hear more about that because once again, you know, to to even face the odds for you to even be in that seat is actually you know, quite enormous. So kind of, you know, I, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I want to, I want to hear more about that. Talk about that experience a little bit about my, about that, Michael, if you don't mind. Yeah. I, I think any black woman in politics would tell you this. Um, but you know, sometimes you don't, you don't know till you know, <laughs> you don't right. know till you're in there. And so some things I'll say, and 
it it might not be addressed. Fair enough. But then someone else might say the exact same thing, mm. and then and then oh oh now now you got it. <laughs> gotcha. Like okay, so it's either mansplaining or elder explaining or mm. whatever whatever type of another ism we can we can put on that. Right. And it's it's interesting, and it's not. This isn't a new. You know, it's not a new concept. I'm not the first one. Right. I know I won't be the last. Right. But it's really, it's really an issue that we have to look at. You know, as far as elected officials, we all got there by the merit of the people. Right. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't tout count the numbers of my wins through those two elections. Um, but we did win the runoff by seventy five percent. Right. And and did that on the merit of having community support, having the endorsement of all the other opponents. Yet I still, you know, either looked at as the little kid <laughs> with right. my with my uh my two masters in my Ivy League education, right. or someone who can't explain something as a woman, um, or someone who who doesn't know because because they're black and it's it's it's. Sometimes it can be frustrating, right? But just all the more reason to just keep pressing and keep going forward because I know why I'm doing it. It's it's for the it's for the people. It's for the community. It's not, you know, to make me feel better to add to anything that I'm doing. But how can I get past this and still get my point heard and clarity on it? while just pushing for what I want for my people. For sure. So um, that's just me calling that out. Right. <laughs> and for if sure. anybody's listening and you are a perpetrator of that, <laughs> right. try to fix your ways uh, to make sure that you're, you're really honoring and giving space to black women in the leadership spaces and roles that they have. Right. Right. Thank you for sharing all of that. And also thank you uh, for being transparent uh, about that. Cause I, I imagine uh, that that can't be easy all the time. That that can't be easy all the time. So I appreciate you uh, being open about that. Definitely. No worries. No <laughs> worries. Uh, once again, we're talking to Councilwoman Michael Easter Thomas here on uh, the Startup Life. I want to ask you this: you know, as you uh, sit, you know, on the City Council District Seven, North Memphis, uh, for sure. You know, there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are who are from Memphis, love Memphis, and either uh, they they either you know live here in Memphis or they live abroad uh, and they affectionately love it. Some want to come back. Some say, "I got to get out of here." Make the case uh, for why Memphis is a great place to start a business. Memphis is a great place to start a family, and all of the above. Make the case for Memphis if you don't mind, Councilwoman. So there's just so many things I could say, but Memphis is a bed of culture of opportunity of deep rich history and tradition that you can't find anywhere else you know i I mentioned that we are a chocolate city and when you look at other metropolitan cities that may have been the chocolate city you see a, a stark difference in how gentrification has really impacted what's going on there and that's not to say that gentrification is not here, right? But we're still on the cusp of having that opportunity to intertwine progression in our residential and our commercial areas 
that's going to be great for the people who live here to take part in that progress. Right. And progress doesn't have to look new. It can be shiny, but it can still be the same individuals in the same areas in the same field. Um, Memphis has just so much great leadership. And I think that what we really just need is more support, more folks who love Memphis and folks who are really pour into the folks that are here. I, I think it's just so much yearning for progress here mm-hmm. that once that light switch is, is flipped, it's, it's, we, I think we're almost there. I, I think we're almost there. I hear that. But once that light switch is flipped, I think Memphis is just going to, it's going to take off and it's going to be so, 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 so important that we do it for the majority of folks who need it being the impoverished, being the black folks here, being the folks that have been ostracized in these residential neighborhoods, um, business wise, economically, commercially, because we're here and, and it's like, we're, we're just waiting but we have so many rich resources and, and opportunities and they're and they're here. But I, I don't think we're we're not almost with that light switch yet. Mm-hmm. But but I, I feel it. Right. <laughs> Some people say I, I feel it in my in my Shonda. I feel it. I hear that. <laughs> that that we're coming into a space that is all just gonna flow and mesh well together. And I think that that flows through economics, it flows through government our school system, we're really seeing some changes here in Memphis that are really going to benefit us in the long run. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And I feel that too um, about our city councilwoman, because, you know, I I think for the longest time we, we felt kind of, uh, left behind a lot of times or, you know, whether that be real or perception, a, a lot of times, uh, you know, you know how it is. Perception is reality for a lot of people. And so a lot of times people say, oh, I can't do this in Memphis. I have to go somewhere else to do that. So I appreciate you sharing all of that, Councilwoman. My pleasure. No worries. No worries. <laughs> so, you know, I, I want to ask you this and uh, as we're wrapping up Startup Nation with uh, Councilwoman uh, Michael and Easter Thomas, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, some of the, the most successful people in the world uh, say that they couldn't do what they do without an amazing spouse. So I want to ask you about my man, Darren, you know, your, <laughs> your amazing husband, uh, who's been in lockstep with you. I, I saw him on there uh, on the campaign trail with you. You know, you gave a, a press conference a few weeks ago. He was right there uh, by your side. Kind of talk about how important he has been uh, on your journey. Kind of talk about, uh, you know, some of the, the conversations that you guys have. Like maybe you, there's a big decision you got to make uh, when voting and stuff like that. Because I imagine you, you have those conversations with like, Darren, what do you think? Kind of talk about the, him in a little bit. Yeah, so Darren is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he is amazing. True, true, truly a godsend. Um, just his whole mannerisms and and his compassion and and the way he cares for others right. is is what really really attracted me to him. Uh, but mm-hmm. I know it's not the question you asked, but <laughs> I put it in there. Uh, <laughs> um, but he's so supportive um, and. You could, he is my first, my first hand, anything. Right. Um, I don't make a decision unless I talk to 
Jesus and Damon. Right. Uh, I hear that. I hear <laughs> because that. because I know that one, he's intelligent mm-hmm. um, as ever, but he's also able to take different pieces of information and not be biased mm. and really give different perspectives. Gotcha. So if I, you know, you got some people, you ask them and, you know, they're all for you. They're 100% for you. They're going to tell you what looks best for you. Right. Um, but if I'm coming to Darren with something, he gives me my perspective. He gives me the government's perspective. He gives me the people perspective. And then he gives me his. Mm. And then he still ultimately leaves me to make the decision. Right. Right. <laughs> because he knows that that's what has to be done anyway. And he still gives me that, that freedom and that space to be my own person while still supporting me and not letting me get embarrassed or, you know, um, be ridiculed or, or make a staunchly wrong decision. So I'm, I'm glad that he's, he's here with me every step of the way. Um, not just for political assistance right but of course just everything else that goes into it you know mental support um emotional support and just that overall love and care and then actually being able to just be a friend because with you know in different areas sectors of work friends don't come easily right. and you always need someone that you can trust and that's also going to trust and love you in a way that you don't feel defeated by the task you have at hand. Gotcha. And so I'm just, I'm just eternally grateful to have him. Um, if he'll have me, he can stay forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad to have him by my side and in, in doing this work. So he's, and he's a constituent too. Absolutely. Um, and he's definitely going to voice his opinion to me right. on what he don't like and, and what he doesn't think should happen in the area in which he lives and pays taxes. And, and gotcha. I appreciate that too, because right. it, it just keeps giving me different perspectives and I just can't make decisions in Memphis city council based on what Mike wants to think. Right. It, it takes everyone's, you know, experience and, needs to really inform the decisions that i made i hear so. that i hear that thank you for sharing that and, and let them know that we all at startup nation uh say uh you know uh, hello to him and we appreciate him for uh the work he does uh and not only assisting you but doing his part for district seven and memphis as a whole so thank you to uh the both of you for sure I will definitely let him know. He'll love to hear this. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So, you know, uh, Councilwoman, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up. I just want to say uh, thank you so much for coming on the Startup Life. We definitely enjoyed uh, your insight to governing how your your, your decision making process into leading one of the uh, the one of the major metropolitan areas uh, in our country. So we definitely appreciate your time uh, and your value uh, and your knowledge uh, on those matters for sure. And now I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because look, as we're dealing with COVID and everything going on around us, there's a lot of people that feel a little discouraged. If you would, Councilwoman, just kind of give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind. So just words of encouragement through this, love on yourself, love on your family, and extend as much love as you can to your neighbor. This is going to take all of us 
And I truly, truly believe that if we really are working together, thinking together, being safe together, even if we're apart, that we can really get through this pandemic. It's going to take a lot of thinking outside the box. Um, Things aren't going to be the same. But what is the same is that we're always going to need each other to function in this society. So we have to love on ourselves. We have to do self-care. We need to to keep up with ourselves, our health. We need to love on our family. We need to make sure that we can help them in any ways of what they need. But then we also have to think about and extend our love to our neighbor because we all play a role in this society that we're in. And so we can't we can't let ourselves think someone not enough important that if they were to be gone or exed out of society by any changes that come forth, what does that mean overall for how our lives move? So we're all interconnected and we just need to make sure that we're extending and sharing the same optimism, love and care for ourselves our family and our neighbors. And I think that we can get through this together. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up this session of the startup life. Councilwoman, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was awesome. I enjoyed it. No worries. (laughs) And as always, startup nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic or would like to advertise on our show send us a message on the startup life podcast facebook page and while you are there like and follow our page as well it's a great way for us to engage with you startup nation and really grow our community the link is there in the show notes subscribe to the show as it can be heard on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher radio spotify or even on your facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast if you are listening on apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show you can also listen to the show on the startup life podcast new website there you will find the all-new startup blog where i write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship and hey if you have an idea be about that life the startup